Greetings and welcome to Energen's second quarter 2020 financial results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to today to Mr. Matthew Pigeon, Investor Relations. Thank you. You may begin. Thank you for participating in today's call. Joining me from Intergen is CEO Scott Wilkinson and CFO and co-founder Allie Bauerlein. Earlier today, Intergen released financial results for the second quarter of 2020. This earnings release and Intergen's corporate presentation are currently available in the Investor Relations section of the company's website. As a reminder, the information presented today will include forward-looking statements, including, without limitation, statements about our growth prospects and strategy for 2020 and beyond our ability to create shareholder value by driving awareness of our products, expectations regarding international sales and tender activity, sales expectations in our domestic sales channels, including expectations related to our rental channel, hiring expectations, and expectations regarding our sales and marketing roles, expectations regarding reimbursement and regulatory changes, and the impact of COVID-19 public health emergency, or PHE, on our business and demand for our products. The forward-looking statements in this call are based on information currently available to us as of today's date. These forward-looking statements are only predictions and involve risk and uncertainties that are set forth in more detail in our most recent periodic reports filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Actual results may vary, and we disclaim any obligations to update these forward-looking statements except as they may be required by law. We have posted historical financial statements and our investor presentations in the Investor Relations section of the company's website. Please refer to these files for more detailed information. During the call, we will also present certain financial information on a non-GAAP basis. Management believes that non-GAAP financial measures taken in conjunction with U.S. GAAP financial measures provide useful information for both management and investors by excluding certain non-cash items and other expenses that are not indicative of Energen's core operating results. Management uses non-GAAP measures internally to understand manage and evaluate our business and to make operating decisions. Reconciliations between U.S. GAAP and non-GAAP results are presented in tables within our earnings release. For future periods, we are unable to provide a reconciliation of our non-GAAP guidance to most directly comparable GAAP measures without unreasonable effort as discussed in more detail in our earnings release. With that, I will turn the call over to Energen's president and CEO, Scott Wilkinson. Scott? Thanks, Matt. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining our second quarter 2020 conference call. As everyone is aware, the COVID-19 virus began having a significant impact in the U.S. in the first calendar quarter of this year and continued to have a meaningful impact throughout the second quarter. The COVID-19 pandemic led governments to order residents to shelter in place and practice social distancing to reduce further transmission. Such orders have come at a time when our business typically benefits from the seasonal increase of patients ordering portable oxygen concentrators, or POCs, to travel and be active outside of the home. In addition, physician offices in the U.S. and assessment centers in Europe have limited patient interactions that traditionally have led to new oxygen patient referrals. Furthermore, HME providers turned their purchasing focus to stationary oxygen concentrators to treat COVID-19 patients 
while also minimizing patient interactions in response to the COVID-19 PHE, which includes replacing existing patient setups with POCs. These factors have made for a challenging second quarter for our business. However, we saw increased patient interest in our product sequentially in May and June. In addition, we are pleased with the positive early indicators we are seeing from our greater focus on the rental channel and its contribution to our growth and margins. Before discussing our financial results, I wanted to quickly give an update on the CARES Act impact on our business and competitive bidding around 2021. As we noted on our last earnings call, the CARES Act stimulus bill increased Medicare reimbursement rates modestly, which is reflected in our second quarter results. In addition, the CARES Act established a provider relief fund for Medicare providers and suppliers to prevent, prepare for, and respond to the COVID-19 PHE. As a Medicare supplier, we received $6.2 million in funds in the second quarter of 2020, which Ali will cover in more detail when she reviews the financial results. CMS has not announced a delay in competitive bidding around 2021 for oxygen and has previously said competitive bidding pricing will be announced in the summer of 2020, with contracts going into effect on January 1, 2021. With that, I will now provide details around our second quarter 2020 revenue by channel. We generated total revenue of $71.7 million, reflecting a decline of 29.1% compared to $101.1 million for the second quarter of 2019. Domestic business-to-business sales in the second quarter of 2020 decreased 27.3% to $21.6 compared to $29.7 million in the second quarter of 2019. The decrease was primarily driven by reduced demand from our HME providers and resellers for POCs. We believe this decreased demand was due to physician offices limiting patient interactions that traditionally have led to new oxygen patient referrals lower retail sales, HME providers minimizing the replacement of existing oxygen patient setups with POCs to limit patient interactions in response to the COVID-19 PHE, and providers focusing on supplying stationary oxygen concentrators with higher flow characteristics to treat COVID-19 patients. We believe competitive bidding round 2021 also impacted HME provider purchases as they waited to see the rates and winners of these three-year contracts. Domestic business-to-business accessory sales were also down significantly in the second quarter of 2020 compared to the same period in the prior year when we typically experience higher sales due to increased patient travel. International business-to-business sales in the second quarter of 2020 decreased by 38.5% on an as-reported basis and 37.4% on a constant currency basis to $13.9 million compared to $22.6 million in the second quarter of 2019. The decrease was primarily driven by the temporary closure of certain European respiratory assessment centers due to the COVID-19 pandemic and continued tender delays in certain European markets. In addition, like in the United States, providers turned their focus to supplying stationary oxygen concentrators with higher flow characteristics in response to the COVID-19 PHE. Direct-to-consumer sales decreased 30.9% to $30.2 million in the second quarter of 2020 
from $43.6 million in the second quarter of 2019. We believe the decrease was primarily driven by government-mandated shelter-in-place initiatives across the United States, reducing travel and mobility among our patient population, combined with a decline in consumer confidence resulting from an economic slowdown. This lack of mobility and economic uncertainty impacted our direct-to-consumer channel at a time when patients typically experience the greatest benefits of POCs for travel and activities outside of the home. However, we did see sequential monthly improvements throughout the second quarter, with April being the lowest month in terms of purchases and close rates. Given the challenges of remote hiring, training, and coaching, we've been closely monitoring our direct-to-consumer close rates and adjusted our hiring practices to be primarily focused on replacement of sales rep attrition for the remainder of 2020. Rental revenue in the second quarter of 2020 increased to $6.1 million from $5.2 million in the same period in the prior year, an increase of 16.9%. We had approximately 26,400 patients on service as of the end of the second quarter of 2020, which was up by 7.3% sequentially compared to the first quarter of 2020, as we made considerable progress in using more of our leads for rental setups and training our rental intake team during the quarter. Such efforts should lead to increased rental setups as well as increased productivity of our inside sales force. We remain excited about our focus to drive new oxygen patient rentals as we see meaningful patient interest in our products, especially if they can use their existing healthcare benefits to cover a large portion of the cost. We believe that the rental channel is a future growth opportunity that should also provide margin expansion to our overall business. As we announced in June, I have decided to retire by the end of 2021, and as a result, the board has initiated a process for finding a new chief executive officer for Enigen. We have engaged a search firm, but no candidate has been selected, and we are still early in this process. I remain committed to supporting Enigen in this transition period as we continue to execute on our initiatives to offer innovative respiratory medical devices as the market leader for portable oxygen concentrators. Furthermore, in support of our growth objectives, I'm very pleased to announce that with the Board of Directors' support, Aaron Redderer has accepted an offer to join Enigen as Executive Vice President of Sales, effective August 17, 2020. This role will report to the Chief Executive Officer and be responsible for sales efforts across all sales channels worldwide. Aaron comes to us with broad sales experience, including over 19 years in various sales roles across Allegiance Healthcare, Cardinal Health, Care Fusion, and Beckton Dickinson. Byron Myers, who is currently the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing, will become Executive Vice President of Marketing, responsible for all marketing and product management efforts worldwide. We believe that, with our expectations of future growth, we require dedicated senior leadership that bifurcates the growing responsibilities for sales and we are excited to have Aaron and Byron as leaders in these roles. We believe we are a leader in POC technology with our product offerings, and that the market for our technology remains underpenetrated. While the COVID-19 PHE has created a challenging short-term impact, we're still working relentlessly to optimize We believe we can execute on our plan to create long-term shareholder value 
by focusing on increased patient and physician awareness of our innovative products and services. Lastly, given where Inogen stands today, and in spite of the challenges we and the global economy have been facing, we believe our strong cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities of $218.6 million with no debt outstanding provides us with a certain level of stability and liquidity to operate and be adaptable during this unprecedented time. We still see POCs as the future for oxygen therapy patients worldwide as they provide increased freedom and independence for patients while also decreasing service and delivery costs to providers. With that, I will now turn the call over to our CFO, Allie Bauerlein. Allie? Thanks, Scott, and good afternoon, everyone. During my prepared remarks, I will review our second quarter of 2020 financial performance. As Scott noted, total revenue for the second quarter of 2020 was $71.7 million, representing a decline of 29.1% from the second quarter of 2019. Turning to gross margin, for the second quarter of 2020, total gross margin was 45.7%, compared to 49.7% in the second quarter of 2019. Our sales revenue gross margin was 45% in the second quarter of 2020 versus 50.7% in the same period of 2019. The decrease in sales revenue gross margin was primarily due to increased mix towards domestic business-to-business sales, which have a lower gross margin than our international business-to-business and direct-to-consumer sales, lower mix of accessory sales, and increased overhead costs per unit due to lower sales volumes. In addition, average selling prices were down in the second quarter of 2020 versus the same period in the prior year across all sales channels. Rental revenue gross margin increased to 53% in the second quarter of 2020 versus 30.4% in the second quarter of 2019, primarily due to higher Medicare reimbursement rates, lower revenue adjustments, and lower servicing and appreciation expense. While we are proud of the improvements in our rental revenue gross margin, we believe that the lower servicing costs in the second quarter of 2020 were partially due to the lack of mobility of our patient population from COVID-19, which may not recur in future periods. As for operating expense, total operating expense decreased to 35.1 million in the second quarter of 2020 versus 38.1 million in the second quarter of 2019, primarily due to a reduction in advertising expense, partially offset by the impacts associated with new era intangible amortization and change in the fair value of the earnout liability. Research and development expense increased to 3.3 million in the second quarter of 2020 compared to 1.5 million in the second quarter of 2019, primarily associated with the 1.9 million of new era intangible amortization expense. Sales and marketing expense decreased to 22.1 million in the second quarter of 2020 versus 27.8 million in the comparative period of 2019, primarily due to decreased advertising expenditures of 7.2 million in the second quarter of 2020, as compared to 11.6 million in the second quarter of 2019. General and administrative expense increased to 9.7 million in the second quarter of 2020 versus 8.8 million in the second quarter of 2019, primarily due to increased consulting fees and 0.9 million expense from the change in fair value of the new era earnout liability. As Scott noted, we received 6.2 million from the CARES Act Provider Relief Fund, 
all of which was received and recognized in the second quarter of 2020. In regards to receiving these funds, we recorded $5.6 million in other income, which was associated with lost revenues from the COVID-19 PHE, and also recorded a $0.6 million benefit in general and administrative expense due to COVID-19 PHE-related costs incurred in the quarter. In the second quarter of 2020, we generated an operating loss of $2.4 million and adjusted EBITDA of $10 million. In the second quarter of 2020, we reported a net income of $2.6 million compared to $10.2 million in the second quarter of 2019. Earnings per diluted common share was $0.12 cents in the second quarter of 2020 versus $0.45 cents in the second quarter of 2019. Now, turning to guidance, because of the unprecedented market uncertainties, we are still unable to provide guidance for the full year 2020. Given the uncertain scope and duration of the COVID-19 PHE, we are unable to estimate the impact on our financial results, including our revenue, revenue mix, net income, and adjusted EBITDA estimates for the full year. Given these uncertainties, we are continuing to be cost efficient by decreasing certain personnel hires and reducing advertising spend while also increasing rental setups to improve lead utilization. I also want to reiterate Scott's comments on our liquidity position. We believe our strong cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities of $218.6 million with no debt outstanding provides us the stability and liquidity necessary to operate during this time of uncertainty. With that, we'll be happy to take your questions. Thank you. At this time, we will conduct a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Once again, that's star 1 to ask a question at this time. One moment while we pull for our first question. Our first question comes from Danielle and Taffy with SVB Lyric. Please receive the question. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for taking the question. And let me start by saying, Scott, congratulations on your retirement. You'll be very, very missed. Um, and thanks for all that you've done. Um, I guess my, my first question is, you know, you actually did come in ahead of us on D to C and I think the street as well, modestly, but it did feel like um, before COVID, you'd started to see some stabilization in that business. And I was wondering, Scott, if you, or Allie, if you could give a little bit of color on, you've talked in the past about where you are from a lead and close rate per perspective and maybe just dig a little deeper on um, whether you're seeing it, or how much you're seeing trends improve there from a closed perspective, and then I have one follow-up. Yeah, thanks, Danielle. I'll, I'll start with that one, and, you know, if Allie uh, has something to add, she can chime in. First, thanks for your kind comments. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of leaving one family here ultimately at Inogen, of course, um, you know, I'm not gone yet, so I'd like to reemphasize that, but I'll be leaving one family. I've been here 15 years, and it's been like family, but kind of going back to my other family, you know, being on the road, and uh, right. they're excited about, about having me around a little bit more, um, and I'm excited about that, too. But thank you um, for your comments. On the, you know, um, we went through some trials and tribulations, you know, a year ago and made some changes in the sales force with our hiring practices, our training practices, changed out some management. 
and through, you know, probably the last four or five months of last year and the first two to three months of this year, you know, we got enough runtime under our belt that we felt really good about the changes that we made and felt like we corrected the root root cause issues and were kind of back on the horse and, you know, anxious to get into 2020 and prove that. And I think as things were going at the beginning of the year, we felt very good about that. Um, COVID-19 has impacted close rates, um, you know, pretty substantially. We had said in the last call that close rates were down about uh, about 20% versus par. And normally close rates would go up as you start getting into the warmer months. So we gave that number to give some context of, you know, it's not like the travel industry or the hospitality industry where things are, you know, down 95%, but it also does have, you know, an, an impact on us. Um, you know, the nature of the calls that we take uh, are a little bit different. You know, people certainly aren't, aren't going on the cruise of a lifetime like they used to right now. Um, and virtually none of the elderly, which are the most susceptible, um, you know, to COVID-19, they aren't traveling. Um, but they do want to get out of the house, they, even if it's go for a walk down the street or get out and work in their garden. So, you know, we do still have demand, but the close rates are down. And then you can't underestimate the impact of just the uncertainty in the economy with uh, and you'd be surprised because with higher um, higher unemployment rates, you know, most of our, our clients are uh, are retired, but they have family members that maybe are laid off temporarily. And, you know, we hear that, hey, I might, I might have to help my son or daughter make a house payment, you know, while they're unemployed. So while they're very interested in the product and the freedom that it can give them uh, and the independence that it can give them um, – you know, close rates are down. People are a little bit more stingy with their pocketbook. So mm -hmm. having said all of that, our lead flow is very strong, um, as strong as it's been. Uh, so we're pleased with that. The phones still ring when we run ads. Um, you know, cost per lead, cost per sale, uh, still very attractive to us. So that part of, of, you know, our process is working very well. Now, the retail close rates, as I said, um, are down. We've tried to be a little bit more careful with hiring in this time because it is going to be a, a little bit longer ramp to proficiency at the lower close rates uh, and a little bit longer ramp to break even. So we've been much more selective in our hiring practices. And we've kind of also gone through a transition where we've, we've moved a significant number of our uh, office personnel to work from home, you know, focusing on their, their safety and health. So we had to work through that as well. So. Um, you know, we'll still continue to hire, as we said in our remarks through the rest of the year. Um, we don't want to go down in headcount on the sales force, but we're being very selective and very careful right now. Um, we do inherently think that we've fixed those problems that we had a year ago, um, but we think we'll still be challenged from a close rate standpoint um, as long as there's economic uncertainty. Um, now, we did use more of our leads to do rental setups. And as I mentioned, and, you know, Ali also mentioned that um, that's been a great opportunity for us as we look ahead with the lead flow being strong and people being able to use, whether it be a Medicare or private insurance benefit, you know, we did a lot more placements that way to use those leads because um, we don't want to waste them. Um, and that, that should be a big part of our, our future as well. So we're excited about that. Um, hopefully that answers your question. And Ali, did I miss anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I just add a couple comments there. Um, you know, 
really we're proud of the reduction in the marketing spend that we had in the quarter. Scott mentioned it, but you know it was about a 38% decline in marketing spend year over year in the second quarter compared to the second quarter of 2019, and we saw you know about a 31% reduction in direct consumer sales. So we were able to get more leverage on our media spend. And that's in spite of the additional leads going to the rental side of the business and using those leads uh, for rental setup. So that is something that we are um, proud of. We were able to reduce our cost per lead on a year-over-year basis and, uh, you know, in spite of what's going on with the, the COVID-19 PHE. Uh, so we were happy with the results. And as Scott said, we did see a sequential increase throughout the quarter in our direct consumer sales. Uh, which was also a positive trend for us. Got it. Thank you for that. And then my next question is is kind of at a higher level. I mean, so the um, HMEs in the B2B business, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, right? I mean, they, they sort of pre-purchased some equipment, if you want to call it that, or stocked up on inventory immediately with COVID. Um, now we're also waiting for the um, competitive bid rates and things like that. So and, and and they're all crunched for cash at this point as well. So I, I'm just curious if you're having conversations with some of your B2B customers about how how long this sort of slows down their purchasing of POCs, and at some point could it lead to an acceleration of purchasing of POCs once they are in more stable financial position, once the uncertainty around competitive bidding is lifted, et cetera. Yeah, it's a good question, Danielle, and and we are having um, correspondence with uh, customers both, you know, in the U.S. and abroad. We have some of the dynamics are similar, you know, as far as everybody focusing on trying to treat the COVID-19 patients, uh, you know, top of mind is probably not going out and replacing tanks for people and giving them a POC. We've seen that people want to limit that interaction and exposure, but ironically, when you think about the future, you know, part of that conversation is, hey, when the smoke clears, this is another push and value of POCs in this non-delivery and non-touch model that, you know, there is a solution for the future where you don't have to, you know, drag tanks, you know, out to somebody's house or be in their home. So while, you know, now it's kind of the, the height of the pandemic here, people are minimizing interaction, they also see further value of this conversion. And we think, you know, that should bode well for us in the future. Uh, once some of these short-term challenges pass. Now, there's a there's a few kind of forks in the road here. One is, um, I'll say, fairly discreet and, sh- and should take care of itself in the short term, and that's competitive bidding. There's still a lot of talk and a push about trying to delay competitive bidding. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to essentially reduce the number of providers that can participate and provide oxygen therapy to patients at a time when you're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, stationary oxygen is is one of the primary treatments for COVID-19. So strong push there. There hasn't been a decision yet. We've been, you know, watching things day to day, so we were up to date with the release. But you are at a point with contracts going into place here at the beginning of next year, in the rather short term, like next, um, let's call it next month or so, uh, you either need to see a delay, which takes competitive bidding off the table for a while, um, or you need to see rates announced and, and then the winners know who they are, and then that uncertainty disappears. And so that 
that should take care of one of the things that has people a little nervous and a little reticent about making investments in the future when they're not really sure how that's going to go. That's short term. Now, a little longer term is, you know, COVID-19, don't know how long that's going to go. It certainly had an impact and diverted focus, uh, you know, from people converting their, their model to the non-delivery model. And a lot of their resources and money has been tied up with treating these relatively short-term oxygen patients that have contracted COVID-19. Um, but we have seen, you know, some easing through the second quarter. It's difficult to predict the future if that's going to continue to ease up um, or if, you know, we have a relapse, you know, and the, and the number of incidents, you know, rise at an even, you know, faster right now and cause continued distraction. And that's why we're, you know, hesitant to, to put guidance in place right now because of that uncertainty. Um, but if you look out long term, I mean, we all know that COVID-19 is not going to last forever. And at the end of the day, you know, it's a superior non-delivery model. It's more preferred by patients because of the freedom and independence it gives them. And I'll emphasize independence now because, again, in the future, you know, people are going to look even more strongly at a model that eliminates, um, you know, the need and dependence on others because um, this may not be, you know, the last virus that we that we see down the road. I mean, these things don't happen every day, um, but they do happen every so often. So I think the future for us in an underpenetrated market is still uh, very bright, and we're excited about that despite, you know, kind of the short-term setbacks that we faced right now because of COVID-19. Thank you so much. And I'd add just a little bit there, Danielle, uh, for additional uh, uh, clarity. You know, we saw a very strong April on the domestic business-to-business side, uh, followed by a very weak May and then a recovery of sorts in June. Um, And so while that is a little bit different than a lot of other med tech companies in terms of their cycles uh, associated with COVID-19, you know, we do see that you know, there is some level of uh, return to growth there. Of course, there's still significant uncertainty uh, going forward. But I do want to point out that, you know, while these patients are not currently getting POCs and there may be some delayed uh, treatment because physician offices are limiting physician uh, or limiting patient interactions, those patients still will eventually need oxygen. It's not like Uh, patients with COPD recover from COPD and then no longer need oxygen in the future. So eventually, those patients should be prescribed oxygen and uh, receive oxygen therapy. Um, I'd also like to point out in the domestic business-to-business channel, of course, a portion of those sales are to internet resellers and other resellers who sell the the product on for cash. And they, of course, were impacted like our direct consumer business by the lower travel and the lower consumer confidence. So that subset of that channel was impacted uh, more significantly than the overall domestic business-to-business, you know, the traditional HMEs um, because of the consumer impact in that subset. Got it. Thank you so much. Our next question comes from Matthew Misham with KeyBank. Please proceed with your question. Um, great, and thank you for taking the questions, guys. Um, and my first question is, is I guess, does 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 the COVID-19 pandemic impact any of your assumptions around the long-term market opportunity um, for um, portable oxygen concentrators? Um, is there is there is there potential? You know, I guess the, the question is around does the post-acute 
market for 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 oxygen therapy increase uh, as a result of this? It's a good question, Matt. We've we've heard that a couple times, and and I'll say certainly there's nothing that we see from COVID nineteen that hurts our future opportunity. There are a couple things that might help it, but I want to be careful about that because it's it's still a little early to make that call. But I think you know directionally there's some possibilities, and let me let me just cover those quickly. Point, you know, there's even more value of a non-delivery and non-touch model that people can see in the future. Now, it's it's always been our vision that the market would convert to that. You know, the HME providers would eventually standardize on POCs over tanks with time. I think this is another little push of the benefits there that we're hopeful that, you know, once the urgency of the day passes, that, uh, you know, it helps with that conversion rate in the future. Now, as, part as, as far as the opportunity for the patient pool, you know, there have been some folks that have um, – you know, theorize that this is a respiratory ailment and there could be long-term impacts uh, from COVID-19 where, you know, more people in the future may need long-term oxygen therapy, um, you know, because they had COVID-19, not just from the, you know, traditional diseases of, you know, COPD. Um, it's a little early to say that is absolutely going to happen. There is that chance. If it does, it would, um, you know, broaden or make the pool bigger for long-term oxygen therapy patients. So that would be a tailwind to our business in the long term. Um, it's, but it's a little early to say that's going to happen, but certainly it, there's nothing that would be a negative from it in the long term. So uh, it should be the same or better in our view as far as the opportunity. Okay. And um, it's been about a year since, since you've completed the, the New Era acquisition um, I, I just didn't. I don't. I think I don't think I heard you mention it on on, on the call. Have you finalized the commercial rollout of the, of, of that product, um, or is that on is that on is that on hold as we kind of given given the the, the the situation currently? Yeah, it's not really on hold, but um, it's kind of uh, I'll say in a relaunch stage. We started a, a limited launch at the very end of 2019. So we had uh, trained and armed a subset of our sales force um, with that product, and we started to uh, sell for the you know, first couple months of this year. We had um, you know, our own expectations, and I'll say that we, we greatly exceeded our expectations in the first three months of the year. Um, but when we did get into COVID-19 hitting and we saw the negative impact on our close rates with POCs, we also saw negative impact um, on TAV, our new era product. So uh, we pulled back there. Um, we've kind of reformulated our approach to selling. Uh, we have trained our entire inside sales force and relaunched uh, in the last month. So now we are back to selling again uh, with the entire team, not just a subset of the team. We've taken some of the feedback and learnings from the first couple months refined our message, refined our pricing, um, and we're back on the horse. So I'd say, you know, we're on it again, but it, COVID-19 did throw us a little bit of a curveball there on TAV as well. Okay. Thank you. And just, and just to add a bit there, uh, the real goal and where we see the true benefit is combining the TAV product with our POC, which is still under development. So 
we don't expect material sales until we really get that combination product. Um, that's, that, to us, is the, the true game changer and the, the best use of this technology. Now, just a follow-up to that. How long until you, do, until you think you would have that product? We haven't announced that specifically uh, for competitive purposes. Okay, great. Once again, to ask a question, that's star one on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from Mike Madsen with Needham & Company. Please receive your question. Yeah, thanks, thanks for taking my questions. I had a couple on uh, the rental business. Um, you know, I was surprised to see the gross margin as uh, strong as it was, and then you also made a comment that you thought it would be it would actually drive margin expansion. I thought that this business was a much lower margin for you guys, so maybe talk about um, the factors in the, the quarter and kind of where you think um, the gross margin can be um, going forward, the factors that, that helped it in the quarter and where you think it can be going forward. And then, you know, how do you know that when the bid levels come out that, that this will still be accretive to your overall margins? Yeah, sure. I can take that one. So, you know, as, as we said, um, we saw large improvements in our rental gross margin, 53% for the quarter, uh, some of that was just the fact that the patient population wasn't as mobile. So things like servicing costs and disposable usages and uh, freight costs, uh, those types of things were down in the period. Um, we also benefited from there was a modest uh, Medicare rate increase associated with the COVID-19 PHE. So that rate increase will continue for the length of the PHE. Um, but at some point, that will also go away. So that will be um, a headwind to gross margin and, and rental revenue at the point that the PHE is over. Um, but in spite of that, we're, we're proud of what's ha improved on the rental gross margin side. Uh, you know, obviously, above 50% is a, a great gross margin compared to our corporate average. That's what we were really um, comparing against, of course, our direct-to-consumer gross margin uh, is still our highest gross margin business that we have um, because of the, the cash uh, prices paid there. Um, you know, long-term, we haven't put out a specific rental gross margin target, but we have been actively working on improving the gross margin of that business and improving asset utilization, reducing freight costs, reducing um, our adjustments and denials uh, and improving our percent uh, billable patients. So those are active areas that we're continuing to focus on. Um, of course, competitive bidding is an uncertainty, but uh, we do feel that we are in the best position here as the manufacturer, as a vertically integrated DME for us to continue to improve our gross margin profile there. Um, you know, right now we're, we're continuing to um, uh, add new patients for the first time in many, many quarters. And as we add new patients, that also should uh, help improve our, our utilization and our cost profile because the units that we're putting out into the rental fleet now are at significantly lower cost than the, the products that we were putting out, uh, you know, a few years ago that have been depreciating now. So. Uh, we do think that we continue to drive leverage here, but there is, of course, uncertainty on the competitive bidding rates, but uh, we do expect to know that uh, relatively soon. 
Okay, thanks. And then um, you commented that you'd seen increased um, interest um, from patients in May and June. So do you have any feel for whether those patients um, will translate into DTC sales or DTC rentals, or is it just too hard to, to predict at this point? I know you're trying to kind of build the the rental business, but, um, you know, the near-term revenue benefit, even if the margins are good, is, is a lot smaller from, from rental. Right. So, uh, yes, we did see improving close rates throughout the quarter. So uh, we did see those convert into both sales and rentals. Uh, so, uh, you know, of course, there's some lag time on marketing spend versus when somebody decides to buy or rent the product. Uh, but we did see solid conversions in the quarter uh, after taking into account the, the March and April drop that we saw associated with COVID. So, uh, you know, we are continuing to refine that sales pitch to people in light of the, the current uh, uh, market dynamics and what consumers are, are most interested in right now. Uh, we have also seen, you know, lower purchases of I items like accessories and add-on purchases. Uh, but overall, uh, we think that, you know, that business did show improvements throughout the quarter, and that is a good sign, although, of course, we are hesitant just around a potential second wave and any uh, uh, impact of that on uh, a consumer-focused business. But, of course, the rental side of the business is a great opportunity for us. Uh, given the improvements we've seen in that business from a, a financial results perspective, to be able to give access to our product to more patients, um, and that is not as price sensitive since they're already paying a coinsurance for their oxygen. These are existing oxygen patients converting from tanks to POCs. So we think that that is a great way, especially in light of the COVID-19 challenges, for us to build that base. And while, of course, rentals are not as impactful on revenue right out of the gate, um, they do provide a stable revenue stream over time with that patient pool uh, that we can build on. Okay, and then just one quick one. On the B2B side, I mean, you comment – you obviously talked about May and June for, for DTC, but on B2B, did, you know, did you see improvement as well in the, the latter part of the quarter? That's all I have. Thank you. Yeah, so what we saw in the quarter was a, a little bit different for B2B. Uh, we saw uh, March and April very, very strong uh, in both the domestic and international B2B uh, channels. May was extremely weak uh, in both those channels, and then there was a recovery in June. So uh, we didn't see it the same cadence. It happened a little bit delayed compared to the D2C impact, um, but we did see improvements in June off of the May low. Thanks. Our next question comes from Margaret Kadzar with William Blair. Please receive the question. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking the questions. Uh, you know, maybe just to, to dissect a little bit further on, on some of Mike's questions, uh, you know, more specifically, are you seeing new patient flows back to clinicians for COPD look, or can you give any color around that? Um, you've talked a lot about May and June, but can you provide any July commentary as well? Yeah, Margaret, it's Scott. I'll, I'll take the first part of that. As far as patient flow, 
Um, we are seeing increased flow, but I wouldn't say it's, it's back to normal, okay? Um, what we've heard in Europe is that assessment centers are running at, you know, anywhere from 20, 20 to 40 percent of full capacity is what we've heard. Um, I would say, you know, in the U.S. it, it might be a, a little bit better, but um, it's not as clamped down as it was a few months ago, but it's certainly not what I would call um, back to normal. So, you know, as far as those uh, physicians seeing patients um, and the new patient flows, you know, kind of entering the pool, I'd say it's still at a at a stifled rate right now. But, you know, we seem to be trending a little better. Of course, we're always careful about, you know, looking ahead because, you know, we all see the news and see the number of cases rising and seeing governments starting to take a little more aggressive action to try and curb the spread again. So, that's why, you know, we're, we're not sure if, you know, where the trend's going to go here. But if I just look at the last couple months, it's improved. Okay. Yeah, and, and July, any comments there? Did it continue yeah, to get better or at least stable? I can take that. There were no material change in trend in July. Okay. And that's DTC and B2B? Correct. Okay. Yeah, and then as we look at, uh, you know, the competitive bidding outcome, uh, I know there's some, some thoughts that might get delayed. Uh, would that swing you one way or the other? Or if there's a change in rate, would that swing you one way or the other in terms of investments? No. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, let me, <laughs> let me back up and expound a little bit more than just a no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, you know, we don't see the rates changing dramatically. We've said that in the past, right? I mean, the first wave 10 years ago, we saw, you know, 30% drop. Since then, we've seen a couple percent here and there. Um, some people have supposed that rates might go up. Some have said they might go down. But in general, we think they're going to move such that it's going to be the status quo. It's going to remove uncertainty of what they are, and it's going to remove uncertainty of who the winners are. Um, but if it goes up a couple percent, it still puts strain on the delivery model. If it goes down a couple percent, the delivery model, you know, remains superior, even more valuable, and, and can be profitable, you know, at a couple percent off. Um, as far as what we're doing from a go-to-market strategy of trying to drive awareness with patients and physicians, doesn't change that strategy at all. So, um, you know, we'll continue to do that. Um, we're showing, you know, we've worked hard over really a two-year period and a lot of the heavy lifting in the last year to improve our rental gross margins. And that's, that wasn't by accident or luck. It's, it's a lot of driving out costs and optimizing some things, you know, to put us in a position where this is attractive. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't change, you know, the rates one way or another, a couple percent. It doesn't, doesn't matter how it's going to come out. It doesn't change things for us in our approach. Okay, helpful. And then just uh, one more, and this is maybe uh, slightly a bigger picture question, uh, but just as you guys look at investments within uh, driving top line revenue, um, you know, versus trying to prioritize operating margin and, and cash flow, you know, where are you guys right now as you look at it strategically, uh, you know, maybe over the next 12 months and then maybe over the next three to five years? Uh, does that vary? Thanks. Yeah, so – you know, with the with COVID nineteen, and we've seen a lot of companies, you know, really struggle with cash flow, with reduced revenue, um, you know, not covering their costs. Our primary objective in the very short term is is to not burn our cash. You know, we've 
emphasized uh, really scrutinizing our uh, expenses. Um, the only hires that we're making are what we consider, you know, critical hires for the future, but they are investments for the future. So our hirings aren't zero, but we're being careful. Uh, as Ali mentioned, you know, we really uh, tried to crank down our advertising spend a little bit and use more of the leads with a rental approach um, where you have a broader close rate uh, and, you know, save some money there on advertising. And I think we did a pretty good job in a difficult time. Um, in the short term, you know, we've said it a couple times, we're in a great position from a cash standpoint. We're not really worried about being able to navigate or operate in what's, you know, really a difficult time for a lot of companies. Um, long term, though, the money that we have on our balance sheet, that is earmarked for growth. Um, we still think there's great opportunity for us. The market is underpenetrated. We've got a superior model and a superior product in a market leadership position. So, you know, that's earmarked for growth, whether it be, you know, investing in uh, expanding in other um, international markets, new product development, commercialization, um, driving more awareness through uh, advertising, uh, or new products, whether that's developed internally or other acquisitions. And that includes continuing to scale up our TAV product uh, and integrating that into our POCs, as Ali said. So that's where the money's at. It's a, I'll say it's a a slight emphasis on growth, but we want to do it while we drive some leverage as well. So it's not growth at all expense and, you know, to heck with the bottom line. We want to grow and show leverage lockstep. Got it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. At this time, I would like to turn the call back over to management for closing comments. The COVID-19 PHE has placed all of us in unprecedented times, and we continue to respond by making sure we are part of the solution that helps patients with respiratory disorders while also keeping our employees healthy and safe. However, despite these immediate challenges, we continue to believe our future is bright and that portable oxygen concentrators will be the standard of care for oxygen therapy patients in the U.S. and worldwide. Given our strong balance sheet, we believe we have the ability to weather this storm, and once this turbulence passes, we believe we can execute on our plan to deliver attractive revenue growth with improvements in operating leverage. With that, I would like to thank our employees for the extraordinary effort they make every day to take care of patients who require oxygen therapy. Thank you all for your time today. Thank you. This does conclude today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time, and thank you for your participation, and have a great day.